0: morning, everyone. Welcome to episode nine of Talk for Freedom. This is Cesar Lopez, and we're here with uh, Chuck Paul and Julie Strench from Centro Seguro. We want to thank you for listening to all the previous podcasts. You can find them on A21FreedomChasers.org and ChuckPaulLLC.com. So, once again, thank you for your support. We have some great stuff for you uh, this morning. So, let's continue um, talking. I'm going to pass it over to Chuck.
1: Good morning, Cesar, and thank you. Uh, Julie, well, let's go ahead and have you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your mission.
2: Thank you, Chuck. Um, well, my name is Dr. Julie Strench, and I am the Chief Program Officer for Roy Moss Youth Alternatives. And our overall mission there is restoring hope to kids. And at Centro Seguro, we want to do that through some non judgmental way um, to get kids off the street so that we can uh, build a relationship and restore hope.
1: So can you tell me a little bit about the history of Centro Segundo? How exactly did Centro Segundo come to, into, into being involved? How did Centro Segundo come into being existing and why is it so important?
2: Um, Citrus Aguro uh, kind of was a collaboration between the Texas Network of Youth Services and UTSA and our agency. We held a summit on sex trafficking in San Antonio in December of 2016. And that critical um, summit had the governor's office and Bear County Juvenile Probation. And so we all kind of got to, got together that day and said, we got to do something more long term. And that's what we did. We wrote a grant with the governor's office with Bear County Juvenile Probation and that started this amazing year of, you know, just um finding a finding out how critical cent- a place like Centro Seguro is.
1: So uh- Central Segundo, can you tell me exactly what you do at Central Segundo?
2: Sure. Um, when we developed the grant, um, the one it's a drop-in center, and so I've had a little bit of experience with other kinds of drop-in centers, and so we built it just. Um, as a place for our kids that have been victims of sexual assault and uh, trafficking to get in the door um, and Kronkowski, uh gave us some additional money so we started with an eight-hour day and now we're a 24-hour center and um, Uh, what we ended up doing is just kind of opening it up to anybody on the street, um, because what we found is that critical intersection between youth homelessness uh, and running around on the streets also intersects critically with sex trafficking. And we just wanna be a place that, we not only do we serve our youth that are trafficked, but we also provide a place of respite, a tactical pause to stop, to um, not allow trafficking to happen, not allow the trafficker to get their hands on our youth.
1: So, so why is it so important that the youth have someplace safe to go to get off the streets?
2: Well, you know, Teenagers are teenagers, and, um, sometimes, parents and family members, everybody just gets frustrated and they don't want to live at home for a temporary period of time. But what they do want, what teenagers want more than anything, is to know that someone loves them. And when they leave their house and they get frustrated and they end up on the street, this is where I believe the people that are traffickers take advantage of that situation. And um, And I don't want that to happen. Um, I'm very passionate about caring uh, for our future and the youth of our today are our future. They're the people that are going to uh, continue to make a difference on San Antonio and Texas and on this earth. And if we don't do something to help to intervene so that when youth get frustrated that they have someone safe to talk to, then we're we're gonna be hurting in the future.
1: So how is Central Segura unique from any other shelter in the country?
2: um well we're unique because we're the well we're not the only 24-hour um uh drop-in center anymore uh austin followed up quickly after us but we are the first and the other thing that we're unique is that we don't say no to people uh at least not that i uh not that i want uh we we want our kids it doesn't matter what happened we want them to come in we want them to walk in the door and we want a, a real non-judgmental place we don't want to we don't want to worry about what happened in the past we want to worry about what happens today Um, and in that today in that moment in that pause we want to get them a place for to lay down and rest we want to get them into clothes that makes them feel like a kid again we want to give them a, a few minutes of the day that reminds them of what it was like when things were we're happier we're um uh felt better to them we want to get them a shower we want to get them food we just want to give them a that pause that tactical pause and then we can begin the assessment process and determine what is in the best trajectory for this young man or woman um, and we have both it's not just it's not just girls. We we do have confirmed trafficked boys that are coming through our door. So we're just looking for that best next step.
1: So I know a lot of people are I believe that you know trafficking only occurs to young women. Mm-hmm. Um, can you tell us why that's not true?
2: Um, Yeah, I I think that um, people maybe don't know that because the focus has been on women. But because we are not a facility that only works with girls, we take boys and girls. What we've discovered, at least in these early months, is that about a little less than half of our kiddos that are walking through the door are boys. And um, uh, particularly boys that are... um, Uh, questioning or they are uh, identify as gay and so that they get um, they get their life has been um, rejected for um, much of their earlier um, youth and so this intersection of rejection also makes them um, vulnerable to traffickers and and traffickers don't care they don't care about people's lives they are um they they consider people property and um and to me that's just such a disgusting thing that people can do things like that to other humans um and uh and we just you know we just want to remind our youth that they are human that they are uh, people that matter and that we all have to care about them
1: so you talked about the young people coming in. About how many young people have you served and how long have you been open?
2: We've been open since October 1 of last year, um, so a little, about seven months or so now? And um, we've served uh, over 150 youth, uh, and the numbers are growing every day. We started... Um, the first month probably saw four or five kids total Uh, when we went to 24 hours in December we jumped up to um, 25 or 30 by the end of December Uh, and then we haven't looked back since January Uh, started with three to four kids a week um, and now we're at four to five excuse me and um, and I think we've just t- still hit the tip of the iceberg.
1: So, have you done any outreach or done any you know advertising or anything to start getting children in the door?
2: Uh, we've done some limited adver- advertising. Um, uh, you know, we have just hired an outreach uh, specialist, and so we're really excited by that. And I know that this individual is going to shift that. Um, he's going to be a part of uh, shifting the the. Uh, the tide and I I, I think we're going to have more people than we know what to do with uh, and that's a good and a bad thing uh, a good thing is that we can intervene and um, bad that we're in this position in the first place
1: well that just makes me smile because Julie's everyone who doesn't know Julie's talking about me I was just recently hired by Roy boss youth alternatives as their outreach specialist so I've got a lot ahead of me right now to start getting out there and helping children know that this is available to them and that they have a place that they can go that's safe for that tactical pause so you've been open for a very short amount of time were you expecting these type of numbers 150 youth in seven less than seven months no
2: Um, you know we when we built the grant um, we're like okay the first year is gonna be rough people aren't gonna know us we'll be doing great to get 60 kids Sixty in a whole year um, to eighty-four, and for the second year we planned for one hundred and twenty. We've blown the numbers away for our first two years of of being open. Um, and uh, uh, again, to me, that's both scary and um, a, a place of of gratitude that we are able to be able to have a place to serve this population.
1: So what type of hypothesis has helped you, have you formed now seeing these types of numbers as to the level of the problem here in San Antonio?
2: Um, Like I said, my belief is that we've just touched the surface and that it is much deeper and that we're really going to begin as um, places like this open uh, to see and support the numbers that uh, the National Center of Missing and Exploited Children are putting out that, you know, in Texas they're talking over 79,000 and I think that isn't even everything
1: so san antonio is not unique in having this problem only mm-hmm. Sa- san antonio has just begun to resource the problems so and now they're seeing what those numbers are is that what you're saying
2: that, yeah that's what i'm saying um that i and i also believe that um traffickers move kids uh mm-hmm. from one city to the other um now that doesn't always play out in the numbers that we see but some of our kiddos are the you know, a good number of the kiddos we're serving are the kiddos that are runaways. So we might be intersecting and um, uh, getting in touch with his children and wrapping services around them before they end up actually getting, um, uh, you know, sucked into the trafficking world.
1: So how is important? So you, what you're saying is you're doing a prevention piece, and how important is prevention as compared to intervention?
2: Uh, I see prevention as uh, essential, critical um, to uh, ensuring that you know we shut traffickers down. Uh, if we uh, don't do something different, our disaffected youth are going to continue to get on the streets, and people are going to continue to take advantage of that. So we have to reduce their ability to take advantage of our kids.
1: So. Y- you're a doctor mm-hmm. what is your what is your specialization
2: uh, i am a, uh i have my phd in counseling and uh, education and supervision so i'm a licensed professional counselor and my specialty is working with children and adolescents i've done that for over 27 years in the san antonio community and um uh Uh, And so I know uh, what it's like when families get frustrated with each other and how critical that intervention is and what can happen when we don't intervene uh, quickly enough.
1: So as a doctor with your specialization, you are obviously an expert in this field when it comes to young people. Let me ask you, how what when, when prevention versus intervention, prevention versus a child that's, that hasn't been trafficked yet versus a child that has trafficked yet. The level of trauma in those two individuals, is there a separation? Is there is there a great level of trauma? Is there a little bit?
2: Definitely. Um, when we get to the um, intervention piece, um, these are people that are have suffered a great deal, and it takes more money, more dollars. Uh, the... The outcomes are often the prognosis um, for uh, kiddos or adults that have gone through significant trauma uh, reduces. It's not to say that it's not possible, um, but trust is broken, uh, violations uh, happen, and the uh, the ability for people that have been uh, traumatized in this way, uh, it becomes more difficult for them to want to uh, accept the help, uh, and they don't trust that people have the right intentions or motivation uh, in, pre- in prevention work, um, you're getting there in an earlier place where you haven't um, broken critical trust yet necessarily. And so uh, it is easier for um, you to begin the necessary relationship work, relationship building for um, people to change and move in a different trajectory.
1: So how is Roy Moss Youth Alternatives unique in their ability to serve both prevention piece and intervention piece?
2: Uh, I think we're unique in that well first of all we've been in San Antonio and doing this work for almost 42 years we were the first uh, uh, homeless shelter for children in in San Antonio uh, so we started doing this work in 1976 so uh, and we're and we're fortunate that we have a number of people that have worked there for a really long time so we have a lot of um skill and knowledge about the issue. Um, So for us, even though our board was initially a little reluctant to move into, you know, something that's called trafficking, what I was able to do is kind of talk about we were already serving this population. They just weren't talking to us about it because we weren't talking to them about it. And so the difference is is now, because of all the services we provide, um, the long-term placement, counseling, uh, uh, transitional living for young adults. We're not only able to help them with their pause, but for some of them, we're able to provide um, consistent um, stability. Uh, We're opening a shelter here this summer called La Puerta, and that will be for our trafficked kiddos that need a little bit more time than just that tactical pause. Uh, And then to help uh, shift these young men and women to more long-term placements as well
1: and and roy moss has both short-term and long-term placements
2: correct we do
1: as well as transitional placements
2: Mm -hmm. yes we we really are um, able to serve uh, kiddos from zero through the community counseling uh, program so uh pregnant uh family you know women who are pregnant or families that are about to ha- you know they're going to have a baby but they haven't had it we can provide counseling services even there so that's a, a great prevention piece and then all the way to age uh 22.
1: so what age ranges are you seeing at central um uh,
2: primarily between uh 13 and 16 which is kind of um in alignment with what uh you know, the Texas statistics and the national statistics are, but we have had um, a kiddo as young as 10. And Central Seguro really only open to, to serve 11 to 17, uh, but we're, we are not turning anyone away. So if it's younger, we're going to take them. If they're older, we're going to bring them in the door and find a place for our older um, uh, women and men who are trafficked as well.
1: So, how are the children getting to Central Seguro?
2: some of them have come up you know they've heard on the street already that we're a safe place so people have recommended uh, them to come to us but primarily uh, uh, the police are picking them up um, we, we made a critical change in the city of San Antonio with our relationship with Bear County Juvenile Probation um, so what was happening to kids that were uh, running away and were picked up by the police they were going to detention and uh we all didn't we all believed that was not the best place for these kiddos to go but there was nowhere else for them to go so when center seguro and opened and we um and, in partnership with Barrow County Juvenile Probation, we shifted the probation officer that deals with the homelessness into Centro Seguro. So now all homeless kids that are picked up come to us. Uh, that's actually ritted. Um, so there's a, a writ, a W R I T, um, with the uh, court system, and so they are uh, mandated to come to Centro Seguro.
1: So, how is that unique compared to other cities in Texas or around the United States?
2: No other city, uh, I don't know about other cities in the United States, but no other city in Texas is doing that. In fact, Austin is uh, talking about um, what are the options that they can do similar to us. So, um, becoming a model uh, drop-in center and how we can uh, take this model and infuse it in other, in other cities.
1: So San Antonio, you're helping San Antonio lead the way with developing models throughout the entire state. Yes, and possibly the nation.
2: And possibly yes.
1: So why is it so necessary? I, I'm asking you because of your profession. I mean, you're an expert in this. Why is it so necessary to not put a to try to avoid putting a child in juvenile detention compared to a a a, ta- a tactical pause?
2: well when we go to juvenile detention there's a judgment that comes from that um it also tells it's a message that we're sending to the kids maybe not directly but indirectly and those indirect those those are messages that kids get and they they take on like a mantle um, and they believe they're bad kids because they've gone to detention and our goal is to tell them you're not a bad kid you've had bad circumstances bad things have happened to you. And we want to give you the option to know that that doesn't have to be the way your world continues. You get to choose a different option. And we're here to support you in doing that.
1: So I, I know that I have listeners that have expressed to me, well, you know, these kids are delinquency problems. They have behavioral problems. They're just, they're just kids that are misbehaving and they need stern discipline. And maybe putting them in detention is a good idea. Or maybe they just need a spanking or is it the child's fault?
2: No, it's not the child's fault. Um, adults are responsible for what happens to kids, and that's part of our society. That hasn't really changed, but the problem is is that we don't wanna accept the responsibility as adults when we um, when we make mistakes, and we don't wanna tell kids that because we wanna believe that we know it all, and we really don't, and, um, and it goes a long way when we tell a child, we messed up, we made a mistake. And I know as an adult, when I mess up, I want someone to be willing to hear me that say, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to do that, and I'd like a second chance. And that is exactly what our kids want. Sometimes they need a third and a fourth and a fifth chance. And for me, um, as long as people are willing to work and um, to do something and to improve themselves, I'm gonna be there to help them, um, uh, give them the chance to do exactly what their goals are. I've never met a child in all of my many interactions that didn't have a hope for something better and if people support that hope that they aren't capable of doing something better
1: so children that are coming into central segudo that you know do they have a hard time trusting anyone
2: yes um you know, and it was interesting. I one, one night I had to go and do the assessment for one of our kids that came in the door. And um, I just happened to have my R M Y shirt on. It wasn't intentional. It was like the first thing I grabbed, put it on, and went out to do the assessment. And the kiddo who had been there a, a, a day, um, had not been really receptive to the previous clinician so I went to do the reassessment and um, he just started talking to me and I and I was like can you help me understand what was the difference between yesterday and today because I'm just a curious person when things don't work I want to figure out a way to fix it and generally going to the source is the way to find that out and he said you're wearing a shirt and it tells me you belong and I don't know whom I can trust and whom I can't trust. And that kind of blew me away. I mean, we weren't really doing any of that. And I was like, oh, my gosh, we have to wear a badge or we have to do something so our kiddos can know that we're not. That someone's not coming to them to like mislead them and send them right back into the to where they came from, and so we instituted a, a, a policy to have our badges or have a shirt on or have something that lets them know it's safe to talk to us.
1: Because the first thing that was broken with them was
2: was that you know they found out it wasn't safe to talk to adults, and adult hurt them, and so. um uh, you know, they, they'd been taken advantage of, um, they'd been asked to do really horrible things and they didn't want to do it anymore. And so they didn't know that we were somebody that was going to be different.
0: So trust. Yeah, exactly. Trust. Julie, I have a quick question. So you've talked a lot about what you guys are doing there, um, which is great. Um, it's it's great to have something like that here in San Antonio, and Texas. But uh, with organizations like ours, the A twenty one Freedom Chasers or other nonprofits, how can we help?
2: Um, mentors, I think. Other, you know, we ha- we have a limited number of people. Um, we have a um, you know, right now uh, we have a li- limited number of of You know even partners that want to see this and you know provide support money all those kind of things but the big thing immediate thing I think is just other people other safe people to um, help them down that path because we have like two two case managers sometimes we have four or five kids and they really want one on one interaction they don't want to share uh, once they feel like they have um, uh, connected with someone, it, it takes a lot of intentional interaction. Uh, and then the other thing is people to help get out on the street and uh, help get them in our door um, to know that uh, we can begin that trusting relationship on the street giving them supplies and um, I know uh, a group some groups of people are helping with care uh, bags and we're really excited by that and when we get to um, give those out on the street hopefully that will help them get in our doors and we can have a longer tactical pause than just uh, handing out a bag.
0: This is Cece with A21 Freedom Chasers. So Julie, I know we are partnering together mm-hmm. to create some of those care kits. And so for our audience listening, if you are interested in donating some of these items, we'll be making that information available on our social media channels in uh, just a few weeks and letting you know where you can drop off some of these donation items and what exactly they are. But I have a question for you also. Um, so since you've been seeing the number of children coming in and uh, there's all kinds of uh, trauma related to that, um, and our numbers with statistics as they stand currently, Texas stands at seventy nine thousand minors that are being trafficked in the in in the state of Texas. Um, so far, from what you've seen, does is that accurate in our reporting, or is there something that we're missing that you've already noticed? What I've noticed
2: is there's a lot of individuals that are clear concern that aren't. Um, labeled as trafficked. We've also found out that later on, those clear concern individuals actually were trafficked. They just haven't been able to tell anyone about it. Um, and I think that when we uh, start, when because we're starting to get those repeat numbers uh, where people are dropping through our services multiple times, and in the third or fourth instance, that's when they're telling us, okay, yeah, really, I was a trafficked individual. I think we're gonna end up seeing that that those numbers are lower than we that 79,000 is isn't isn't accurate it's more than that
0: wow which is pretty scary very scary yeah but you guys are doing a great job to help help those um, individuals those victims if someone wants to become a mentor or wants to help how can they get connected where do they go
2: um you then go to our website at www.rmya.org and there is um, uh, places there to do volunteer um, uh, forms because of the sensitivity and the you know the ne- the necessity to keep our kids safe there is a process that we have to put everybody that's going to work with our kids one-on-one uh, through uh, background check and all that stuff and all of that's all of that can be located there or you can call 210-340-8077 and um, ask for uh, Diana Gonzalez or Katie Katherine Stroop and uh, those are our people that work with our volunteers and can kind of talk you through the process as well.
1: So Julie, thank you for coming and talking with us today.
2: Thanks for having me.
1: Uh, This has just been an awesome eye-opening experience into what services are available here in our area and for those of you that are listening that are from different areas this is possible in your area too it's just a simple matter of of getting together with your local organizations finding out who's already doing what in your area and then partnering with them in order to help develop services and if you want to come down and check out Roy Moss Youth Alternatives, Central Segudo and the other programs at Roy Moss Youth Alternatives, please contact Roy Moss Youth Alternatives with the numbers that Julie's provided and so we can start spreading this message of services and hopes for tactical pauses throughout the United States. Thank you. Thank you.
0: So once again, thank you for uh, tuning in to episode nine um, with Julie and Centro Seguro. A lot of great information. We will be um, putting some information on a21freedomchasers.org on how to connect with them as well, um, how to help um, them, and make sure that they're, they they have a great year, a successful year. Um, and you can also listen to our podcast on the website with also uh, ChuckPaulLLC.com. So once again, thank you everyone, um, and thank you Julie. We we appreciate you.
2: Thank you.